Well, let's turn to Acts chapter 11 this morning as we're making our way through this book. By the time we get to Acts chapter 11, the church is now 10 years old. And this is the first time the Gentiles are accepted into the kingdom of God. And the greatness of the work among among the Gentiles in Caesarea could not be kept hidden. God didn't want it to be kept hidden, even though many Jewish Christians would be confused by it and they would be offended. But God got the glory in this church. So let's begin reading with verse 1. The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So the prophecy that was given uh, by the Lord Jesus himself in Acts 1.8 is now coming to fruition. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, You went into the house of the uncircumcised men and ate with them. And, you know, I got to thinking that if this was, uh, if these were women, you know, if this was me criticizing Peter, it might sound like this. You went into the house of the Gentiles and you ate with them. But I don't think this is, that's probably what it sounded like with these Jewish believers. Um, They're very passionate people. And I know from uh, my own husband, how he, when he gets very passionate, when he gets very set, upset, it's not with a whining voice like you did this. It's like you went into the house of the Gentile people and you ate with them. They were very upset and very offended. Why? Well, because Gentiles were unclean people. So Jews don't associate with Gentiles, let alone go to their homes let alone eat with them, because sharing a meal together was an intimate sign of fellowship. Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning. He retold his story from Acts chapter 10. God emphasized the importance of these events by repeating the story. You know, when I first um, was reading over chapter 11, it's like, oh dear, we've got to go over chapter 10 you know, and everything that, that Peter said. But I, I um, just to, even as I was driving this morning, had to confess to the Lord, every chapter in your book is for a reason. And so you needed to have Peter repeat this story to the Jewish believers. It's worth repeating. And the story begins here in verse 4. Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it had happened. I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance, and I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds of the air. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. At first, Peter thought that God was talking about food. But when Peter came to understand that the vision of the sheet with the clean and unclean animals had to do with people, he praised God. 
We see now that the sheet represents the church having both clean Jews and unclean Gentiles in it. And God said there is no distinction, there is no dividing line between the two. Verse 11. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. Isn't that beautiful when you can just say in your life, the Spirit told me. All throughout the book of Acts, the Christians are saying, the Spirit led me to do this. The Spirit told me to do this. And we as um, believers, as Christian women in our lives, we need to be so sensitive to the voice and the leading of the Holy Spirit that we would be able to say to one another, the Holy Spirit led me to do this. These six brothers also went with me and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, send Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. We see the reaction, or when we see the reaction of the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem, we can see how wise it was for Peter to take six men to Cornelius' house with him. And Peter was careful to add that before he even entered Cornelius' home, an angel had been standing in it. And if it's okay for an angel of God to go into a Gentile home, then it would be okay for Peter to do so as well. Verse 15. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. And I love that, that conclusion, that last sentence. So then, God has even granted the Gentiles repentance unto life. And this conclusion is so important They could not withhold their acceptance when God had given his. The Christian Jews recognized the importance of sensing where God was going. And they decided to head in that same direction. Instead of trying to persuade God to go in their direction. And the Jewish Christians' hearts were soft enough to be guided and corrected by God. Their hearts were soft enough to be guided and corrected by God. And the Jewish Christians allowed their prejudices and their traditions to be overcome by God's work and by God's word. And as I was reading through this one verse, I thought this has so much in it that we as Christian women need to take um, heed and need to follow the example of these Jewish Christians. So I wrote out these three questions and I have them on an overhead. Can we as Christian women 
And this is following the example of the Jewish Christians. Can we as Christian women sense where God is leading and decide to go in that same direction? And if we can't, we need to pray that God would help us to sense where he is leading and go in that same direction. Instead of always expecting God to go in our direction, to bless what we're doing, we need to find out where God is heading. Number two, don't want to go too fast. Can we as Christian women have hearts soft enough to be guided and corrected by God? If the Jewish believers could, then we can too. These were very um, legalistic people, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, their hearts were softened so that they could be guided and corrected by God. Number three, can we as Christian women allow our prejudices and traditions to be overcome by God's word and God's work? Now, before we go on to... um, Verse 19 that talks about the church in Antioch. I want to just give you a little background history about the city of Antioch. Antioch was founded in 300 BC by Cilicius I, and this was one of the inheritors of Alexander the Great's empire. In the first century, it was a city of more than half a million people. Today, it is a Turkish city with a population of about 3,000. Antioch is about 300 miles north of Jerusalem and 20 miles inland from the Mediterranean Sea. It's a very beautiful city. Many considered Antioch the third greatest city in the Roman Empire. It was known for its business, its commerce, its sophistication, its culture, but mostly for its immorality because of the ritual prostitution. So we're not talking about Godly people like Cornelius, seeking the Lord and praying. The church now is going to go to a pagan city. Verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. That's 300 miles north of Jerusalem. So that's a long way. Telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. You see, at first the Jewish Christians scattered over the Roman Empire preached only to the Jews. But they eventually began to preach Jesus Christ to Gentiles as well. And I am so thankful for that. And these unnamed disciples that went to Cyprus and Cyrene are really genuine heroes. They set up the first mission to the Gentiles. And the hand of the Lord was with them. Because God was with them. God was in their ministry. And their ministry was blessed. The result was that a great number believed and turned to the Lord. A ministry won't turn 
people to the Lord unless the hand of the Lord is with them. And we need to pray that the hand of the Lord would be with us in our women's ministry. As you go to your groups, pray that the hand of the Lord would be with you. We need to pray that the the hand of the Lord would be upon Cornerstone. You can turn people to a social club without the hand of the Lord, and you can turn people to a personality without the hand of the Lord, but you cannot turn people to the Lord without the hand of the Lord. The phrase believed and turned to the Lord is a good description of the work of both faith and repentance. When we believe, that's our faith, and when we turn, that's our repentance unto the Lord. Verse 22, news of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem. Well, of course it did. Everything reaches the ears of the church of Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. The church in Jerusalem sent an able man in Barnabas. Remember him? He is known for his generosity in Acts chapter 4 and his warm acceptance of Saul after he was converted in Acts chapter 9. Verse 23 says that when Barnabas came to the church in Antioch, he saw the grace of God. And I love that. You know, there's a lot of things that he could have seen in the church, but he saw the grace of God. Of God. There was something in the work and atmosphere among the followers of Jesus in Antioch that Barnabas was able to see. What he should have seen the grace of God. It is important that others are able to see the grace of God among us, among you in your home, among you at your workplace, that others can see the grace of God in your life. They shouldn't see an emphasis on self or on man-made rules, or human performance, but always of the grace of God in our lives. Saul had spent some 12 years in Tarsus. But let's read 25 first. Let's read verses 25 to 26. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Saul had spent 12 years in Tarsus since we last met him. These years were not wasted or lost, but spent in quiet ministry and preparation for future service. And now God wants to pick Saul up and use him for his glory. Together, Barnabas and Saul taught a great many people, making the church in Antioch strong. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And it wasn't until these years at the church in Antioch that the name Christian became associated with the followers of Jesus. They had never been called Christians before. They had been called disciples. They had been called saints. They had been called believers, brothers, witnesses. They had been called followers of the way. And here in Acts 11, now they would be called Christians. The idea was that they were called Christ ones. In Antioch, they probably used the term Christian to mock 
the followers of Jesus. It wasn't an enduring term. It was a mockery towards the Christians. Antioch was famous for its jeering and name-calling. But as the people of Antioch called the followers of Jesus Christ ones, the believers appreciated the title, and so it stuck. And we are called Christians today, Christ ones. There was a missionary long ago that was traveling in China, and he was frequently introduced as Yasu Yan. And at first he didn't know what this meant, but he asked and he learned that, yes, that Yasu was the Cantonese word for Jesus, and Yan meant man. So they were actually calling him the Jesus man. Eusebius, the famous early church historian, described a believer named Sanctus. If anyone's ever read anything about Sanctus, he was a martyr. He was from Lyons, France, and he was tortured for Jesus. This is his story. As they tortured him cruelly, they hoped to get him to say something evil or blasphemous. They asked his name, and he only replied, I am a Christian. What nation do you belong to? He answered, I am a Christian. What city do you live in? I am a Christian. His questioners began to get angry. Are you a slave or a free man? I am a Christian, was his only reply. No matter what they asked him about himself, he only answered, I am a Christian. His torturers were determined to break him, but they could not, and he died with these words on his lips, I am a Christian. Verse 27, during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem. You always say when you talk about Jerusalem and going to another place, you always say they went from Jerusalem down because Jerusalem is the holy city and it's always referred to as up. So if you're anywhere else, like if you're in Bethlehem and you're going to go to Jerusalem, you say, I have to go up to Jerusalem. So during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. And this did happen during the reign of Claudius. So because it happened, we know that he was a true prophet. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. The disciples each gave according to their ability. Now remember, these are Gentile disciples mixed with Jewish believers. They each gave according to their ability of their resources, and those who had more gave more. They each gave according to the ability of their faith, trusting that their gift to God's work was a worthy investment in the kingdom and not a loss. We also see that they decided to give, which means that they were determined that they would give. And sometimes if we don't determine that we'll give, we never do. The high regard that Barnabas and Saul had among all was evident by the fact that they were entrusted with this relief fund. And as far as I know, this is the first charitable act in this nature in all recorded history. One race of people the Gentiles, collecting money to help another, the Jews. No wonder they were first called Christians at Antioch. So we can be so encouraged by Barnabas and by Saul and by the Jewish believers and even by the Christians here in Antioch. Lord, we thank you so much. 
that none of your word repeats itself and that we can learn so much, Lord. And I pray that we, as Christian women, would follow the example of the Jewish believers. Lord, that our hearts would be softened to be corrected and guided by you. That we would be able to sense where you are leading us and that we would go in that same direction. And that our own prejudices and our own traditions would be overcome by your word and your work. May we be faithful to you, Lord, and may the meditations of our hearts and the words of our mouth be pleasing in your sight today, O Lord. Bless us now as we go to our groups. May your hand be upon us, and may you bless each of us, Lord, in our groups today and as we go um, to our families. May we be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.